Welcome back to the Vertical Vision Podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're getting back into our study of Jesus, and we're going to focus on him being the good shepherd. And we're going to take a little bit of a different look at it in that we're going to focus on Psalm 23, which is the famous, you know, the Lord is my shepherd psalm. But we're going to look at it in light of the psalm that comes before it, Psalm 22, that's a messianic psalm that actually conveys the crucifixion. And it gives a lot of of weight and a lot of uh, perspective when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. We see that played out between Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. And I hope that this encourages you and just reminds you of how committed Jesus is to you, how much he loves you, and how much he wants the best for you. So let's get into the word. Well, open up your Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 10. And I've really been looking forward to this study because we're going to study about the Good Shepherd. But we're going to study about Jesus as it relates to his humanity and his suffering. So we're going to begin in chapter 10, verse 10 of John, and then we're going to pivot to the 23rd Psalm, but look at it in the context of what Jesus says in John 10 and what David says in Psalm 22. And my prayer is that in this, as we see the love of Christ and the love of God, we will rest in the goodness of our great shepherd. Okay? So let's begin chapter 10, verse 10 and 11 of the book of John. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All we have to do is go back to the beginning of Genesis and we see that the enemy's aim is to steal what God wants for us, to kill us spiritually and physically, and destroy our lives and all that the Lord would want for us to destroy the relationship that God desires with us. That is the enemy's ambition. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And if you've been in in, uh, any of my classes, you know I'm going to say this at some point, but that life is zoe, okay, in Greek. And it's the essence of life. It's what life is all about. It's not just getting by day to day, but it's the fullness of life as God intended it to be. A life that is intimate with our creator. A life that's intimate with our heavenly father. A life that is rich and full and satisfying and purposeful. Not necessarily easy or cushy or, you know, whatever, but one that has intense relationship with our Father and purpose and direction and hope and life. And, and I would even say romance, you know, because the Lord is just, he's in love with us. He's given everything for us. 
And we're going to see that this morning. And that's the life that Jesus came to give us. That's just getting by. But in whatever circumstances, having a full life because it's anchored in the person of Jesus Christ and anchored in our Heavenly Father. And so with that said, in verse 11, Jesus follows up with that statement, okay? I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is why I came. I am the good shepherd and I will lead you into this life. I will lead you where I want you to go and I will help you get there. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. So keep that in mind and let's go now to Psalm 20. Well, we're not going to go to Psalm 23 yet. We're going to look at Psalm 23 in the light of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 1, and we're going to take it through verse 18. And I want you to, to look at what's being said here in the light of what Jesus has just said and in the light of the crucifixion, okay? I want you to keep this in your mind as we read this because what we're about to delve into is a first-hand experience of Jesus and the crucifixion, okay? Verse 1, and this just hits you like a ton of bricks. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cried by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried, and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They make mouths at me and they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. I mean, are you seeing this played out when we, when we read about the crucifixion? And I can just see Jesus and, and all this stuff in his heart. Here he's, he's taking on every bit of judgment from the Father for our sin. He is getting ready to undergo intense suffering and pain for us. And he's crying out to the Father. And then in verse 9, Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. 
when someone is crucified and the weight is hanging on their their arms, their wrists and all, the 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 joints are pulled out, okay? All that weight for all that time. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And when I read that, and you just picture Jesus, and when when it says, I can count all my bones, when they scourge Jesus with a cat of nine tails, when they did that, okay, the Roman practice was you beat the criminal with the cat of nine tails until they confessed all of the crimes that they committed. It wasn't, and I've heard, I've heard people teach, you know, they did 39 lashes because the law was you could only do 40, so they held one back just in case. That's Jewish law, not Roman law. Roman law was you beat them literally to the point of death to make sure that you get all the information out of them that you can. And so when those cat of nine tails came across Jesus' body and they were made up of lead balls and pieces of bone and metal and they hooked into the flesh and then ripped it apart. And this is not a pleasant picture, but this is what Jesus did for us. And so when when he says, I can count all my bones, and the cat of nine tails is wrapping around and digging into his flesh and his torso and opening him up, you could see the ribs. You could see bone. It was awful. If you've ever seen The Passion, Mel Gibson's The Passion, that's close. But it's not. It's not there. Jesus had nothing to confess. Pilate was even able to say, I find no guilt in him. And he took this. And his body was shredded and broken and beaten And the very people he came to save, the people he loved, they scorned him, they hated him, they mocked him, they yelled at him and said, hey, you put your trust in God, let God deliver you. In that mocking, sneering way. For Jesus to say, I am the good shepherd, the shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. When you look at that statement, and then we look at the 23rd Psalm, in light of the 22nd Psalm, how faithful of a shepherd do we have? How committed of a shepherd do we have? How awesome 
of a shepherd do we have? This is what he did for us. And from this springboard, when we look at what David says about the Lord being his shepherd and him being our shepherd, we can rest upon such an intense amount of love and commitment and grace and mercy in the one who gave his life for us. And to me, that's an incredible comfort and strength because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I just don't trust God, which is stupid because I've never had a reason not to. And this is a huge reason to trust him. But I still have a hard time with that. Maybe he won't be there for me now. No, he's always been there for us. And I hope this encourages you as we we delve into it. Chapter 23 of Psalms, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When Jesus is our shepherd, we will not lack anything. It may not be easy. You know, I was talking with Gail earlier uh, after the service, and I didn't know it, but he had done some ministry in, in, uh, in the former Soviet Union. I've done ministry in the Soviet Union. And you look at people who are in very, very difficult places, and yet God is providing for them. It doesn't mean we're going to have fancy houses. Not that that's wrong. It doesn't mean that we're going to have the latest and greatest cars and a big bankroll. Not that that's wrong. But we can always be confident that in whatever circumstances we are in, Jesus will supply our needs spiritually and physically. He will always take care of us. Keep your finger here. And let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. Because of this fact, you know, how, how much does he care for our well-being? He went to the cross for us. We don't need to be anxious. He will provide. Verse 25 of Matthew 7. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, or gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. As I read that in the light of our present condition in America today, things are pretty unstable. When I drive by the gas station wondering if I'm going to pay more than I did the day before or the time before or less and kind of actually gas shopping, you know, and your paycheck doesn't go as far as it used to and people are dealing with baby formula shortages, basic necessities, it's easy to look at things and worry. You know, you, you hear about how people's 401ks are having issues, the stock market having problems, high inflation. It's really easy to stress out and to worry. Fixed incomes, oh my word, that's hard. Am I going to be able to make it? But the thing is, the Lord will provide. He's so good at that. He will meet our needs. And because he loves us so much, he also blesses us with other things too. Because our Heavenly Father loves us as his children. What loving father just says to his kids, well, this is all you need, there, that's it. No, a loving dad or a loving mom wants to do things for their kids. When, when, uh, and I, I, you know what? I still do it. If I get sent to the grocery store, or because I work in Madison, I make the Costco run. I, I tend to get things that I think, hey, this would be fun. This would be good. And I'll grab all sorts of stuff for like a movie night or whatnot. And so we got the popcorn and the really cool kind of, you know, they've got like the strawberry popcorn now down at Costco. That's really good. Um, but there's all this stuff and it's like, oh, that'd be fun. And oh, that'd be good. I got, you know, the Jennifer said, oh, you should go. This was two nights ago. She said, you know, why don't you go to the grocery store and just grab something good? Well, we'll have like a nice dessert or something. And it's like, well, what do you want me to get? And she's like, well, what about this? And I asked the kids, well, what do you want? Or what do you think? Well, what about this? What about that? So I went off to festival and I bought it all. <laughs> and I brought it back because I wanted to bless everybody. You know, and we we're like having sugar comas and things like that. But it was fun, you know. And you, you watch your family's face when you bring them something that, blesses them and puts a smile on their face. And that's our Heavenly Father. He doesn't just give us our needs, but He also gives to bless us because He loves us. Jesus says, which one of you, you know, as an as a earthly father, if your son or your child says, give me an egg, you're going to give him a scorpion. Or a loaf of bread and you're going to give them a rock. No, you're not going to do that. And Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly father give you good things? 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because he loves us. We're important enough to die for us on the cross. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Have any of you ever been around sheep? Okay, all right. Yeah, I know you have. I, I don't care for them. Um, we had two that, it was their life ambition to ruin our Christmas program. And they're just interesting. They're not smart. And I learn sheep will not lie down. They will not rest if they're hungry, if they're thirsty, if they feel that there's a threat. And that threat or danger can come externally, like a wild beast, or internally. When there's tension between the sheep, they don't rest and they will not lie down. The good shepherd feeds and waters his flock. The food that the Lord gives us and the drink that the Lord gives us is his word. This Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if we are with our shepherd and we're letting him feed us from his word and to let us drink from the pure water of his word, and on top of that, the Holy Spirit, that living water, move into our lives and flow into our lives as we stay close to the shepherd, we'll be satisfied. When we try to eat other things, drink other things, find satisfaction in other things, it doesn't work and we're restless. But the word of God is where we can feed and water. The good shepherd will protect us from the enemies outside. And if we as sheep will follow our shepherd and follow his word, guess what? The tension between the sheep will be minimal. If we just follow our shepherd, follow his leading, there is peace within the body. It's when we don't follow, when we don't hold to the word, when we are not led by his spirit, that there is tension between the sheep and there's no rest. Our shepherd leads us and he feeds us. And in verse 3 it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Because of what we see in verse or chapter 22 and the cross and the sacrifice of Christ, our souls are restored into fellowship with the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. When we are tired and worn and life is kicking us in the gut, when we stay close to the shepherd, there is healing and there is comfort and there's strength. We'll see in a little bit, there can be enemies all around, storms raging, 
But with him, there's peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And he restores our soul and leads us in the path of righteousness. Yes, because he loves us, but also for his name's sake, his reputation. You can bank on this. Jesus will never tell you to do anything to your detriment. I've had times where I've questioned whether or not God knows what he's doing. And I have done what I've thought is best, only to learn that he knows best. He will always lead us in the right way because his reputation is on the line. Nobody will ever be able to say, look how God failed those people. Now they can look and say, boy, look how you know, Ernest failed God or how Ernest disobeyed God, but they will never be able to say that our good shepherd has ever led us astray. He won't do it. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Think about this in light of what we just read in chapter 22. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, the worst times of life. And you know, this is one of those passages that, that comfort people who are facing death. You're with me. That is so true. Because what we see in Psalm 22 is a savior, a shepherd, who went into death first, who entered into that valley first, conquered it, came back out and said, follow me. And so when we enter into the final chapter of this life, we go in with the one who has been there and came back. And he leads us through the shadow because death has no power over us anymore. There is comfort there. Even in the awful, terrible trials and battles of life, that you're dealing with, Jesus has been there. You can't get better than that. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to have the answers. We just need to follow our shepherd and he will guide us. And maybe you've been in those situations where you're going through a tough time and you don't know what to do and you call out to the Lord and he tells you what to do from his word or just that nudging from the spirit. That still small voice and you go, okay, and you do it and he takes you through. No matter what we go through, he's there. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's his promise. I think for us, because he went to the cross and came back, he knows struggles and strife and all of that. We have a shepherd who understands. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago, right? The shepherd has walked in our shoes. And I, I think that's a, a crazy thing. Where else do you see, one of the, see a sheep being a shepherd? In the book of Revelation, Jesus is the lamb, right? He's always the lamb, but you see him coming. And when he presents himself in Revelation, he has the wounds of the sacrifice. In eternity, the shepherd is a lamb. The shepherd is a sheep. Who better knows how to lead sheep than Jesus? 
Verse 5. You prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I love the fact that this is in the presence of the enemy, not away from the enemy. It's not getting a furlough and getting out of the battle. It's in the midst of the battle. When you have people who are in the midst of battle, they eat on the go, usually, on the run. If you're in the thick of it, you have MREs, meals ready to eat, and you rip that thing open, you may very probably be eating it cold, uh, and that's what you have. The picture that we have here is a table that's spread out. It's a place of rest. It's a place of fellowship, communion, okay? Koinonia, fellowship with the Lord. Even though the enemy is all around, there's that place of rest and feeding and encouragement and relationship with the shepherd right there in the midst of all of it. For a shepherd, when it comes to the oil, sheep will get cuts and little wounds and stuff as they're going through the brush and the briar and all. Flies, little pests and everything. And the shepherd will put oil on the head of his sheep to repel the irritants, to repel the flies and the parasites to heal the wounds, to bring comfort in the midst of day-to-day life. The cup overflows. Remember Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly? That's an overflowing cup. He doesn't just want us to live. He wants us to have life, a beautiful life with the Lord. Even in the midst of the worst times and circumstances, to be able to engage in life. And like I said earlier, you know, I was I was in the Soviet Union back 1991-89-1991 and I had the opportunity to interact with some of the underground church. And boy, you want to talk about just this this not that they have it easy by any means, but you're in their presence and there's this love and this peace and this joy, we can have that table in the presence of our enemies in an overflowing cup. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And get this, where is the shepherd leading us? Where are we going? If he's leading, what's the destination? It's right here at the end of verse 6. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever that valley of the shadow of death that's just a gateway because you and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever that's astounding jesus says i am the good shepherd i lay my life down for the the sheep because he wants to lead us into the father's house jesus says I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places, right? Keith Green had a song years ago. 
And in it, there was a line that talked about how he created everything in seven days, but he's been working on our heavenly home for a thousand years. That's pretty cool. You know, and it's, it's artistic and all, but just that, that thought that right now, our good shepherd has been preparing a home for us to be with him forever as joint heirs, sheep as joint heirs with the shepherd, seated in heavenly places, adopted sons and daughters of the most high God through the blood of the lamb. That's amazing. And so my hope is, is that as you go through the daily grind and the day-to-day stuff, or the trials and the hardships. Your shepherd is committed to you. He proved that on the cross, and he will never leave you. Sheep leave the shepherd. The shepherd does not leave the sheep. And he goes after his sheep because he loves us. 